Just reading from Matthew to begin with. Um, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called ch- the children of God. And just uh, excuse me while I switch to Romans. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. Enthusiastically. Sorry. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to, to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Thanks, Jacob. The first rule of Fight Club is do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is do not talk about Fight Club. I think it's the eighth or the ninth rule which says if it's your first night at Fight Club, you will fight. But fortunately, this is not Fight Club. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it ever. One of the most, uh, I think, significant contributors to um, our challenged mental health states is unresolved or unprocessed conflict. Unresolved conflict is literally killing us. Conflict elicits stress and unresolved conflict lengthens the experience of stress. So when your body detects stress, it reacts by producing hormones that are designed to help you deal with any threats or, or the pressure you're feeling. But these hormones, while they're really helpful in short bursts, uh, when you must act, when there is clear and present danger, can be extremely harmful if they're released over and over and over again because your body is releasing adrenaline and cortisol as if you are in constant danger. The constant hyper alert uh, status of our body and brain can lead to psychological uh, challenges, including anxiety disorders uh, and depression. Stress born from conflict can make people feel distrust and anger and anxiety and fear 
which in turn can destroy relationships at home and at work and socially. Unresolved conflict is killing us. In a study uh, conducted, uh, this is now uh, over a 20-year period, so it's a pretty cool study at Northwestern Universities. Uh, uh, Researchers uh, had married couples come into a lab every five years, so you guys would have been in twice uh, if that had happened, uh, to argue. Oh, that wouldn't have worked because you guys don't argue. Uh, To argue about um, their kind of regular disagreements and to do that in front of a camera. And over the two decades... The researchers found that spouses who tended to get angry during the arguments were much more likely to report later development of cardiac problems. And again, this is a shocking number. With a, with a shocking 80% of these men developing chest pain or high blood pressure at the end of the experiment. In a separate study from Ohio State University, researchers found that prolonged conflict caused women to experience deep rises in hormone levels after arguments occurred as they they basically thought about and relived um, the arguments through the day. And the researchers found that the resulting uh, psychological stress in turn weakened uh, their immune systems uh, and made them more susceptible to viral infections. Unresolved conflict is literally killing us. The first rule of Fight Club is not working for us. Unresolved conflict tears us apart physically and mentally. It keeps us awake at night. It tears families and relationships apart. It affects workplaces and social spaces and sporting environments. It even affects churches. An unresolved conflict typically evolves into unrestrained conflict because unprocessed emotions never die. They stumble zombie-like into daily life, unexpected and adrenaline-producing. And we and those we love get torn apart. Tonight we're going to take some time to examine ourselves and and the rules by which we're living when it comes to conflict. And we're going to look at the vision that Jesus has for human relationships and the possibility of peace being at the heart of our interactions. Would you pray with me? God, as we uh, spend time around uh, the subject and around uh, a number of uh, verses that we're going to dig into together, Uh, We pray that you would uh, give each one of us something uh, really distinct, really specific for us, and that we would be able to really catch it and hear it and process it. We ask that you do that for each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when it comes to this whole issue of unresolved conflict, personally, I blame Jesus. He started the whole thing. In Matthew 5, 9, a slightly different translation to the one that you heard there. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. One of the more famous uh, of Jesus' um, so-called Beatitude sayings, which we'll be doing a whole series on in May. The, this, this part of one of Jesus' celebrated or recordings of Jesus' celebrated moments in what we have as the Sermon on the Mount. It's possibly, as, as well as being one of the most well-known ones, uh, possibly 
uh, one of the most misunderstood of them as well, except perhaps the one about the meek, because they've had a terrible time of it. And it's this idea that some have drawn from this passage of peace at all costs, which is causing us such harm. It's an idea that has a little bit of history behind it. The idea was unpopularly credited to uh, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain uh, just prior to World War II, whose uh, deal with Hitler over Czechoslovakia spectacularly failed well within the warranty period. And unresolved conflict became unrestrained conflict. And six years of war ate up a generation in the process. Jesus is the, is the greatest example of a peacemaker. He was even given the title Prince of Peace. You'll find that in Isaiah 9.6. The ultimate mediator who made peace between God and humanity, but also between people groups. Yet, from the outside, and looking in, one, one might argue that Jesus' life was anything but peaceful. Jesus was constantly engaging in conflict, uh, whether it was through challenging uh, religious leaders' beliefs, whether it was confronting sin and disobedience, whether it was questioning the disciples, uh, preaching despite uh, persecution. Dave, I think, drew this out really well last week when we looked at this issue of integrity. Are we the same on the inside as we are on the outside? And our capacity for what he defined as differentiation, our, our capacity to live our true self rather than uh, a self that others are constructing for us. And here's where the connection is from last week to this week. We cannot be true peacemakers if we will not also live out our true identity as children of God. We cannot be true peacemakers by avoiding conflict, by avoiding honesty, by avoiding tense situations. Peace at all costs does not work. And, and we cannot, cannot rely on Jesus for, failing, for us failing to tell the truth. Matthew 5, 9 doesn't allow us to, to do that. Uh, Martin Luther, the um, 16th century reformer and priest, is going to come up on the screen any minute. It's the guy on the left, not the guy on the right. Two different people lived many hundreds of years apart. He said this, peace, if possible, truth at all costs. I wonder, though, if we kind of turn that around the other way. I wonder if for us it's actually this. Truth, if possible, peace at all costs. I wonder if we sometimes just get it round the wrong way. So if what we're doing is not actually peacemaking, if the avoidance of conflict is not actually peacemaking, what is it that we are doing? Well, we could be doing something that New Zealanders do really well, peacekeeping. New Zealand peacekeepers have been uh, going all over the world, keeping the peace uh, wherever there are difficult local conflicts. And peacekeeping soldiers, they, they go into the midst of someone else's conflict to keep the peace. You may not know that there are currently 13 UN-sanctioned peacekeeping operations going on around the world uh, right now. 
But here's the truth about their activity. None of them will make peace. None of them have the capacity to make peace. They can only keep it. They can only keep the peace. They can only manage the symptoms of conflict so that that peacemaking can continue within this community. Some of us are quick to become peacemakers, our peacekeepers, when we see conflict in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities. But when we are unwilling or unable, as it is in many cases, to make the peace, we'll settle for just keeping it, keeping people apart, or managing their interactions, removing opportunities for conflict. When sometimes what people actually need is to be together. I know it sounds dangerous. In an unmanaged environment, with an opportunity for conflict, whether it's around ideas or, or past hurts or ways of doing things, sometimes peacekeeping prevents that from happening. Or maybe we're not just about the kind of harmony of our communities and our families. Maybe we're a peace-at-all-costs person in our own uh, life, in our own relationships. Maybe we are peace lovers rather than peacemakers. See, peace lovers don't, don't like confrontation. We don't want to address awkward or difficult issues. We especially don't like feeling uncomfortable uh, or challenging other people. The risk for us in pursuing real peace is that it might be too costly. We might get too involved with other people's stuff. We, we might experience pain. We might get hurt in the process of seeking lasting solutions. We prefer to maybe cover over problems and hopes and, and hope that they'll just go away. It may be because we are afraid or because we are approval junkies. Uh, I quite like uh, author Lou Priolo says this about, uh, define some like common characteristics of, of being an approval junkie, like a, pe- a people pleaser. He, he does this with this, this internal monologue. See, see if you, that's probably just me, see if you catch yourself in any of these words. I'm not prepared to meet this person. What, what does he think of me? I'll probably make a fool of myself. I can't reveal too much of myself or he will know what I'm really like and reject me. I can't bear the thought of being hurt again. I have to get away from this person as quickly as possible. I have to be careful not to say anything that might get me into a conflict. He goes on to say, a people pleaser is not a peacemaker, but rather a peace lover. A peacemaker is willing to endure the discomfort of a conflict in the hope of bringing about a peaceful resolution. A peace lover is so afraid of conflict that he will avoid it at almost all costs. In the end, peace lovers love peace more than they love themselves, more than they love other people. So I want to take just a moment to pause. I give you a chance just to catch up with your thoughts, whether you see in yourself any of these kind of tendencies, peacemaking, peacekeeping, peace-loving. Where do you sit here? Take a moment, grab the thought, write it down if it's helpful, and then we'll carry on.
But the real problem with being a, a peacekeeper or a peace lover, beyond the damage that it does to, to ourselves, is this. Unresolved conflict typically leads to unrestrained conflict, a breach of the peace. There are peace lovers and peace uh, keepers, but all too often we find ourselves crossing the line and becoming peace breakers. Among other things, one of the major stress hormones that we mainline uh, in these times, uh, cortisol, can lead to weight gain and uh, pigmentation issues. Now, you and I, each one of us, know this is true. We know this is true because of Marvel and the anger management issues of Dr. Bruce Banner. (laughs) Massive weight gain and major pigmentation issues. Hashtag science. Going incredible Hulk in our relationships is, is one of the ways that we see this tendency for unresolved conflict to become unrestrained conflict happens because unprocessed emotions don't die. It's a theme from this whole series. Unprocessed emotions don't die. They just turn green and become really, really big. Well, at least the last part happens. And we're left with uh, more torn apart than an endless supply of, of plaid shirts and blue jeans. Peace breakers reap the whirlwind of unprocessed emotions and unresolved conflict. And peace breaking starts from within. It starts from within. And before we know it, we're fighting dirty. Especially with the people closest to us who are the easiest uh, for us to hurt. Now, the Apostle Paul grabs onto this tendency that we have to fight dirty with this series of uh, statements in Romans 12 that Jacob read to us that are really reversals. They're reversals from what you expect to see. Like, like bless those who persecute you. Bless, bless and do not persecute. It's a reversal. It's, it's doing the opposite of what comes easy. In verse 17, he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful what to do with what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. So in other words, don't trade insult for insult or hurt for hurt. Don't get into that game of of playing one for the other. If it is possible, and these are really interesting words, because it is not always the case that it's possible when you're dealing with abusive or toxic people or environments. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Because, again, you can only take responsibility for your actions. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Live at peace. Or as verse uh, verse 16 says, live in harmony uh, with one another. Now, James, in uh, his letter, kind of identifies what happens when this goes wrong. And he says this in chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? 
You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So if there's any question that this might happen in in religious communities in the church, this is James writing to the early church. It's, it's, It's pretty bad. That's a really, really bad committee meeting I just had. And James pinpoints our conflict as stemming from our deepest desires. We sense that they will only be satiated if we, if we have what others have. And so our conflicts are driven by our, our deepest desires and, and to get our own way in the world. But the truth is we will not be satisfied with things or people. What James points out is that at the heart of our deepest need is God himself. And it will tear us and others apart the longer we, we look for our peace in the wrong places. So we're going to take a minute to come clean. Again, I'm just going to give you a moment to, to reflect. Dirty fighting, clean fighting. Take a moment to identify where, where you're at in this season. So in this series, we've been, uh, each week, we've been taking on board and having the opportunity to process in small groups and in our own time, one skill, one relationship skill that uh, will help us uh, to be healthy in the way that our relationships play out. And this week's skill is the one and only rule of this fight club. Fight cleanly. Learn to fight cleanly. And it flows from a heart that's freed to love. Romans 12, again from verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is what Paul says to the church at Rome. Again, This is an apostle speaking to a church. And in Rome, the church was divided. There were factions within the church. They were struggling to get to grips with how each each understood Jesus. Some who came from a Jewish background converted to Christianity, but but didn't know how much of their Jewishness to bring with them. Others who'd converted from Roman and Greek backgrounds had lived very pagan existences, didn't know how much they were allowed to bring. Very different ways of thinking about how they live life uh, as religious people. Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. See, fighting cleanly is like honoring one another in action. It's a way of putting it into action. And it will mean often saying goodbye to the lies that uh, we've learned about conflict from our experiences, because our experiences have taught us about conflict. Our families of origin have taught us about conflict. Our preferences have taught us about conflict. And we get the opportunity to learn how to make peace instead of just loving it or keeping it. In peacemaking, we love others. 
more than we love ourselves. And we keep both parties safe in the process. Fighting cleanly will bring uh, into, into focus a number of the skills that we've been learning across uh, this series. The information we had on listening well. What Dave shared with us last week on being differentiated as people so we understand what our values are and we will live into them. Uh, managing our emotional temperatures to go right back to the beginning, using some of the, the skills that were a part of that. Understanding some of our family of origin patterns of behavior, whether it's to withdraw and not have conflict or whether it's to power up and only have conflict. These stories and experiences, uh, these skills that we've been learning and practicing will all uh, have a part to play. And so this week in your small groups, uh, or if you're uh, not in a small group and you want to just do this uh, yourself, you'll be able to walk through this exercise uh, called clean fighting. And uh, here's a kind of a basic rundown of the skill. Uh, you'll be able to do this and practice this in more detail. But notice how, so, how many of the other skills that we've been learning are, are captured in this. For example, from the community temperature reading, using the phrase, I notice, as a way of, instead of saying, you always put the cups on the wrong side of the bench. Terrible problem in our house. I notice that the cups aren't migrating to the dishwasher in the way that I would prefer. State why it is important to you. I value not having cockroaches in our house. Again. No, hang on. No, no. Uh, fill in the following sentence. When you consistently put the cups on the wrong side of the bench, I feel disregarded and worthless, and I really do. You all know that she's the one that wants the cups in the right place, right? Uh, state clearly, respectfully, and specifically your request. Get those cups. No, no, no that's, that's wrong. And that was clear, but not respectful. Uh, and do you see how this works? This is, this, this is one of those artificial processes that is a bit weird if you are just viewing it like this. But as you begin to incorporate these ways of, of owning what it is that is causing you concern in a relationship, you have an opportunity to begin the, the, uh, uh, the fight cleanly. And so this is, this is how you raise uh, one of an issue. Uh, and the opportunity you have is to practice it this week. This uh, little sheet will be on the website, so be able, you'll be able to download it or pick up a copy uh, through your cell group. And then what happens if you're on the other side of this? Um, consider the request. Ask for it in triplicate and then reject it. No, hang on, sorry. Uh, when you consider the request, you have the opportunity to receive uh, what the person uh, is saying. Again, some of the, the listening skills might play in, but you also have an opportunity to respond. Sometimes it's actually not a big deal. Just put the cups on the other side of the bench, will you? Just, just get it done. Um, and then there might be a, um, the opportunity to agree or to alter and offer an alternative. And this is where you begin to use some of the creative opportunities to clarify your expectations so that you're working from the same understanding. Uh, the suggestion there is that you write it down. Um, I, I really don't want to do that. Because then you'll be like... So you can, if it's a really bad thing, you can write it down, uh, but at, at the very least, review how it's going. Uh, so this is something that you'll be able to uh, pick up in your cell, as I said, or through the workbook uh, as we go through, as we, as we develop actual skills that allow us to put into action uh, what the Scriptures are suggesting is the way that we should live. 
Uh, sometimes this is not just a question of being good or bad people. It's being people who lack skills in communication. So that's part of what tonight is about. I want to finish um, with what I think is maybe one of the saddest scriptures in, in the Bible. Uh, and it's in Genesis 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Unresolved conflict may be one of the biggest stress points in our lives, at work, at home, with friends. And in this moment, an unresolved conflict opened up with God and humanity. I can't imagine what God's response, well, I can't because he was God, but these people that he had created for communion with himself, they, they got something wrong. They created the, op- the, 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 um, the environment for conflict, and instead of dealing with it, they ran away from God. A gentleman who we don't name any longer used to say, it's not that it happened, but that it happens. We're still running from God and from each other. If nothing else, uh, tonight is about learning not to hide, gaining not only the skills of not hiding, but also the intent, the heart of knowing that it is possible to not hide from God and to not hide from each other. When you break uh, Christian faith down to its core components, it's simply about being freed to love. That's what it means. We're free to love. We're free to live out the nature in which we were created. And the Scriptures tell us what that love looks like. It looks like people that can love God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul and with all their strength. We can love God heart, mind, spirit, body, and we can love each other in the same way that we love ourselves. So this is all about returning to that state. It's all about allowing God to recreate what he created in the first place, which is why I find that first moment of walking away from God so sad. The second saddest verse is what happens next. My husband blames the wife. And that's happened a few times since then as well. We're going to um, share a meal together of Holy Communion. And as we do, I want you to have the opportunity to receive this meal as a meal of peace. Peace between you and God and peace between you and others. We're going to do this together. This is something that we do in community, and it's also something that we do uh, vertically. It's a vertical focus and a horizontal focus. And I want to, uh, as we go into it, to allow Ephesians 2 to speak to us. Uh, Ephesians 2.14. Speaking of Jesus, uh, Paul writes, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has torn down the barrier, 
the dividing wall of hostility. You and I can return to lives that love God with all of who we are and love each other as if we were ourselves. Will you pray with me as we, as we continue towards communion? Father God, we want to ask that you would help us to uh, be people that are freed to love. That we're freed from all the, the garbage of how we second-guess life, second-guess people, second-guess ourselves, second-guess you, and that instead we might be simply freed to love. And so as we eat this bread, uh, God, we pray that you would uh, heal us, that you would make us whole, that this broken body of Jesus would be a pathway for wholeness for us. And then as we drink this juice, uh, you would forge with us a new covenant, a new agreement, a new deal of how relationship will play out with you and with each other, that it might be one where love is expressed fully and completely without hiding. Jesus, as we gather at this table, would you be our peace? Would you tear down the dividing walls? Would you be Lord of us? We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.